I want to introduce uh, a good friend who I've known for getting on close to 20 years now. Chris McBride is a is a, a friend, a brother. It has uh, we've been in his house in uh, crazy uh, places uh, in the Middle East. And, uh, and one of the things I remember, I'll stand, check this out. Chris is one of the guys I get to give a, give a hug to like this. <laughs> and so, uh, but anyway, just, uh, I remember one of the things that struck me was because they were in a dangerous place and we were at their house and, and I just remember that there was a sign by the door that said, stop before you open the door, pray and listen about directions where they're supposed to go through the city, all that kind of stuff. It's just, that was the kind of place they were living in at the time. And uh, I've watched Chris grow up. I've watched Chris, he's watched me grow up, but, um, but I've, I've watched him uh, go through hard times. And I've also watched him help to be a part of a church planting movement that reached thousands and thousands and thousands of people and to the glory of God. So y'all, just Father, bless Chris. Make us hungry listeners today. Lord, change lives in this moment in the name of Jesus. And y'all give it up for Chris McBride. Man, I am honored to be with you guys this morning. I'm Honored to just get to be in your fellowship again and, and be with you guys. It's been a while since I've come up, and um, man, God's good. I, I'm honored to be in your presence this morning. I, uh, as the worship was going on, and um, just since the Lord's saying something this morning uh, about you guys, um, he said to me, he said, You guys are a chosen race. You're a holy priesthood. And you're a people for God's own possession. Let's just take a second there. Lord, we're yours. I just felt like the Lord was honoring you guys this morning because there's givenness to him in this room. There's a yes, a resounding yes in the hearts of so many of you guys. Yeah, I just speak the honor of the Lord over you this morning. I feel like he really wants you to bathe in it a little bit. This morning, we're going to talk a little bit about what our dad's doing. We're going to talk about what our father's doing in the earth. And, you know, the great thing about, about it when we talk about what dad's doing, we get invited into being a part of it with him. He, uh, he doesn't do stuff without taking his kids along. And we get to be a people that get invited into the adventure that God has. We get to be a people that are a community that God calls out and says, come, you know, won't you come after me and let us run together? Isn't that good? That's straight out of Song of Songs. He's saying it over you this morning. You know, um, I'm calling you. Let us run together. Let's run together. But guys, we're in a moment in history 
where uh, it may not feel like this is the most stable time to be taking a run with her father. It may feel like it's a time in history where uh, there is instability, there's conflict, there's danger, there's things going on around the world, and we're looking out and we're going, you know what, it feels safe right here to be where I am. I don't know that I really need to be one to go out somewhere else. This is a season in the world where the nations are shaking. The nations are shaking wherever we go. But there's another piece of good news in the midst. It's that God's shouting. The nations are shaking, but God is shouting. And in this season, he's inviting us to come partner with him, to be with him as he does things that this world's never seen before. Just a few weeks back, I was in, uh, was in the country of Greece. I was sitting out in, on the sidewalk area right in front of the airport. I wasn't meeting with a, a Greek gentleman. I was sitting there meeting with a Syrian refugee in the middle of Europe, crazy things that uh, maybe just a few years ago we wouldn't have seen. But as I was sitting knee to knee and face to face with a young man named Riyadh, he was telling me his story. His story didn't really just start in the months before as he had come to Greece. His story had started years before as he would uh, just tell me how empty his life had been for years and how he had been hungry for something, but he had never known what that something was. And then even in his time in Syria, he would encounter different people, people that were different from him and different from his majority Muslim faith. He would encounter Christians. And he said, even as I would encounter Christians in Syria, just the few that were there, he said, I would see there's something different about these guys. There's a light in their eyes that isn't in other people's eyes. There's a peace in their hearts that's just not there with the other people that I knew. The Muslims that I knew were full of anger and they were full of of, uh, just control and trying to control the world around them. And the God they knew was not a God I really wanted to follow. He said, but as I came over here to Greece, he said, I saw something completely different. He said, you Christians are the only ones that care. You Christians are the only ones that take care of us. You're the only ones that feed us. The, the nations of this earth are, have turned their back on us. But you followers of Jesus, you're here to make a difference. He said, I want to follow that God. The God of Jesus, the God of love, said, that's the God that I want as my father. You know, Matthew 24 talks about this time, these end times. Maybe some of us like to kind of think about the end times and what's coming down and different things going on. Uh, Jesus told us what would come. And I believe we're living in times uh, just like what Jesus described. He described in Matthew 24, wars and rumors of wars. He talked about nation rising against nation and people against people and you know famines and earthquakes and persecution like we've never seen. Talked about lawlessness increasing 
and the love of God's people growing cold, it sure describes what we're seeing in the world today. And yet all of that chaos, all of those things going on don't really culminate until we see it culminate in verse 14. And he says in the context of all these wars and rumors of wars and the chaos going on around, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations as a witness. And then the end will come. See, the end doesn't come with the wars and the rumors of wars. The end doesn't come with the chaos and the nation rising against nation. The end doesn't come with lawlessness or persecution or people being beheaded by ISIS around the world. The end comes when the church of Jesus Christ rises up and takes the gospel of the kingdom from the places that we are to the ends of the earth. That's when the end comes. As one... Uh, a uh, wonderful African-American preacher uh, some years back, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. I love his name. S.M. Lockridge, he, said, he put it like this. He says, he said, if you want the king to come, then finish the job. And I just said, man, that's it. That's it. That's where we are today. We're, we're the church of God. And we're saying, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Those songs we sang this morning, we're, we're crying out because in our heart, there's there's something that's saying, God, we want you to come back. We want you to come visit us. And if we want him to come, then we get to go run with him. We get to finish the job that he started. I was reading yesterday in Isaiah 66, and man, this one really spoke to me yesterday as I was reading. I was reading in verse 18 out of Isaiah 66, and it says this, it says, the time is coming to gather the nations, all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. Isn't that good? The time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them, and I will send survivors from them to the nations. So, people from among us, from the people that have come to God, he's saying, I'm going to send a people from them to all the nations. And then he goes on and names a bunch of different places. And then he says, to the distant coastlands that have neither heard of my fame nor seen of my glory. And they will declare my glory among the nations. And then after that, in verse 20, he says, they will bring all of your brethren from all of the nations as a grain offering to the Lord. Think about this, guys. If, if we as a people of God are loving Jesus and following Jesus, what he's saying is here in these end times, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take people from you and I am going to send you out to all the nations of the earth, and you're going to bring in like a grain offering to be offered from uh, in front of the Lord. We're going to bring in your brethren, your brothers and your sisters from different languages, from different skin tones, from different socioeconomic statuses, from everything that is different and 
foreign to you. I'm going to bring those people from the nations of the earth. They are your brethren from all the nations, and they're an offering to me. Is Jesus worthy of the offering of our life? He is, isn't he? He's worthy of the offering of our life. And that's what Isaiah is talking about here. He's saying, hey, this time has come to gather these people together from all these nations. And we have to ask, hey, is this the time? Is this what's going on? Is this what's happening in the world today? See, we can look back and we can look back for for generations and generations and say, hey, has God been moving? And of course he has been. We could look at the Moravians, you know, a hundred year prayer movement. That was pretty cool, huh? You know, and sending uh, people out to all the nations. We could look at the Methodists. We could look at the Baptists. We could just go, you know, through church history and see, yeah, there were things that, that God has done, but in a special way in this season, in probably the last 25 to 30 years, God has started doing something new among the unreached of the nations, the unreached of the nations, those that haven't heard. And you know, we were excited about these moves of God that have happened in generations past, you know, among, you know, our peoples in Europe and in America and different things, and that's awesome. But starting sometime in the 1990s, the church started going, hey, Jesus, we're not seeing the unreached respond like we want to see him respond. And deep prayer started going out. And people started returning to the scripture and saying, Lord, what is it that we can do from your word to see people come back to the Lord? One particular um, gentleman who was a Baptist missionary in northern India, he, was, um, he had done a lot of outreach and mobilized people to reach out to the... the, the um, the Hindus and the the Muslims in that area, and he had not seen much responsiveness. In fact, he had seen several of his friends, close friends and associates, martyred as they were preaching the gospel. And in his grief, as he was saying, Lord, I've, I've, I've laid it all down. My friends have laid down their lives for the gospel. We're not seeing the responsiveness we've wanted to see. What do I do? The Lord started to download to him just different strategies and plans and ways to go about it. And as he went back, he started seeing house churches planted. He started seeing people respond. And I remember talking to his boss who was, uh, you know, with the Baptists, and he would be getting his reports in. And for years he had seen, you know, zero, you know, zero new believers, zero baptisms, you know, ones and twos here and there. And, and this, uh, this uh, guy who was working with the Baptists at the time, he told me, he said, that was what we were seeing from so many of our missionaries across the world. We really weren't seeing the, you know, the church growing and all through the 80s and the, the early 90s. And then this one guy in northern India started sending in different reports. He started sending in, oh, we saw 100. What? He's looking at the report. Wow, that's, he must be having a good month here, you know. And he started seeing other numbers coming in, and he started to go, this is really strange. This is kind of an anomaly in every, all the reports that we're seeing. And then he, uh, there was one time when he started seeing reports of 30,000, 40,000 people coming to Christ. And he said, you know, I think we've got to send a team to find out what's going on here. He, uh, this, you know, is this a mistake? Is uh, somebody not being accurate with their data? What's going on? 
And they sent a team out there, and they found that, indeed, there was not uh, just, you know, 40,000 people that had come to Christ. Actually, it was more like 80,000. They were floored at what God was doing. And God was saying in this time, this was in the early 1990s, he was saying, I am doing something new. I'm doing something new. And that became what uh, is known really as one of the first modern church planting movements as they saw it not just grow tens of thousands, twenties of thousands. Today, uh, our estimates as we've you know sent different teams in there over the years of believers have sent teams in over their years and studied it. They think that there's probably somewhere between seven and eight million people. Muslim and Hindu background people that have come to Christ in this area of northern India. Now, I got to say, that's pretty exciting. There was one more report that came in from the area, though, that uh, was a little different. It was from the head of the Hindu National Party in the area. Hindu National Party came on national TV and declared that these Christians coming to Jesus from Muslim and Hindu backgrounds represented the greatest threat to northern India and their state. And what he said is there are more than 15 million believers of you know, following Jesus in this area. He gave them credit for 15 million. We could only count seven or eight, but man, it's, it's just going to go and like, you know, just spreading all through the area. 15 million believers, he says. It's transforming. This gospel is transforming nations. People are coming to God in droves. And it's not just one place like this. I could go over and over, tell you stories uh, in China about how um, factory workers coming to Christ, leading others to Christ, who led others to Christ, who led others to Christ, and the, uh, the movement there, over 2 million people. I could go through uh, Indonesia Bangladesh, I could tell you a little of our story. You know, in our story in uh, the Arab world, we had been there for seven years, not a single person following Jesus. And then we just said, hey, Lord, would you train us? Would you teach us? Actually, my prayer at the end of 2006, I was a little desperate. I said, uh, Lord, I have no idea how to reach Muslims, and it's extremely obvious. Lord, could you please teach me how to reach these people? And the Lord just set up some connections. And just in the next few months, he began teaching us things we needed to know. Uh, got the training that some of these guys who had seen movement start in Southeast Asia were doing. And, you know, we saw our, our, our first believer in, uh, in six weeks after we came back from that training. First three in our first three months, first 25 in uh, our first 15 months, we were really excited. See, because in that area, in the Middle East, we didn't uh, typically, all the missionaries, I mean, I honestly didn't know very mis many missionaries who were discipling a Muslim background believer. Uh, there were so few of them. We didn't count churches because almost nobody had a gathered church. They were individual believers. Uh, you know, I knew one missionary who had worked in an area uh, in the south of our country who had been there 40 years and he had five believers in 40 years. It was a hard place. But one day um, after almost 10 years of working in that area and still, you know, we, see, we had seen some people respond and we were excited. 
One day, we met a person of peace. His name, we called him Noah. Noah, as we started to get to know him, he had come to Christ by watching Christian television, uh, had gone to 11 different churches in his area asking uh, anybody to give him a Bible and teach him how to follow Jesus. And 11 of the more traditional Christian churches in the area all refused him, said, you're Muslim. We can't teach you that. That's, that's a problem. You'll cause problems for us. And so he called the television station and said, if you're going to put this stuff on the air, you better have somebody to come tell me what, how to do it. And uh, we showed up at his door just a few weeks later. And uh, we started talking to him. He said, I have 21 people that think like I do. So we don't know what to call ourselves. We don't know what to do. We said, will you teach us? We said, yes, we'll be happy to. In one month, that 21 got baptized and became 48. The next month, 48 uh, became 86. And then for eight straight months, it nearly doubled every month as people came alive with the gospel of Jesus in their hearts. You see, God's doing something in these last days. He is stirring a hunger around the world. He's calling people all around the world. He's doing His part. He's calling people from the nations. People are hungry. They just need somebody there. They need somebody to give them a Bible. They need somebody there in front of them to teach them and to show them how to follow Jesus. In the years that we got to be there working with Noah and his people, uh, we got to see literally thousands of believers all over every major city in the country we lived in had uh, house churches in, their, in that city. It went into three other countries, one other country into Syria in a really big way. One fun story out of Syria was this. Um, after persecution hit, and it was really, really heavy uh, in us and with our, with our team and, and everybody there, uh, Noah was, was uh, you know, sitting actually in, a, in, a, in another country, and uh, a friend of mine brought him a, a Muslim background believer. See, this guy had come to Jesus several years before, but out of fear, he had never shared his faith. He had never done anything with it. And as uh, this young man, Ali, came and sat with Noah, he sat with him for four hours and heard everything that had happened. And he said, I've got to do something. There are people dying that don't know Jesus. I have to take the message of Jesus to my friends. So he gets up and he's a Syrian guy and he goes back to his hometown, uh, hometown of Holmes in Syria. You may have heard it on the news. And as he's walking the streets of Holmes, he's praying. He says, Jesus, will you show me someone that I can share with? someone that's open to you. And as he walks past the computer store, he looks in the window and he sees the owner of the computer store and he's got a picture of Jesus on his screen. He thinks, huh, I wonder if this guy might be open. So he turns and he goes into the, into the computer store and he starts to talk to the guy, finds out that yes, indeed, this guy's open. And over a series of conversations, he finds out it's not just him, it's him and his six friends that he has been talking to about his interest in Jesus. This guy, the computer store guy, comes to the Lord. His six friends come to the Lord. Their friends start coming to the Lord, and they start a whole house church movement there in home Syria right before ISIS comes in. Well, ISIS did come in, 
And when they came in, it hit hard among the believers. See, guys, there's, there's people all around the world today that are willing to give their life for this message of Jesus. And they're, they're hungering for something. They're even dying for him. These guys, Ali's friends, they all disappeared. Ali uh, ended up running, ran, uh, ran to Lebanon, and then found his way to Turkey. He was extremely depressed, just feeling like everything that I've just invested in has blown up on me and been lost. I don't even know what I'm going to do. In Turkey, he's in a refugee camp. He's, um, he's sick, so he goes to see the doctor in the refugee camp. And as he's sitting there with this young uh, female doctor, Syrian lady, uh, this Syrian doctor begins to ask him questions. And Ali just kind of shakes his head, whoa, wait a minute. The questions she's asking me are the questions that I taught my friends back in homes to ask their friends to see if they were hungry for Jesus. You see, this lady was a sixth-generation house church member. Six generations of churches had been planted and planted and planted, and now they're all through southern Turkey in the refugee camps. You don't hear that on the news. You know, occasionally you'll hear some piece of, of good news. I remember reading not too long ago in a, in a, I don't remember, New York Times or Washington Post article on the conflict in Syria, and I got down to the end. It was a really long article. I'm getting down close to the end, and I'm reading about um, Christians being martyred by ISIS in the area. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, this is sad. You know, Christians, uh, these traditional Christians uh, from this area being martyred. And then I realized the, w the way it was describing them, these guys were, they saw themselves as missionaries. These Arab believers were not Christian background. They were Muslim background believers that had come to faith. And instead of running from ISIS, they ran to ISIS. You see, all through the world today, there's people that are coming to Christ and willing to give their lives for the gospel. A friend of mine um, disciples uh, a group of warlords, Islamic uh, you know, uh, tribal warlords from Iraq and from Afghanistan. He uh, teaches them Bible stories and sends them back to their people. These guys are heads of tribes that have come to Christ. And instead of running and running away from the conflict, these are some of the guys that are going behind enemy lines to you know, save uh, people that have been captured by ISIS and sold into sex slavery. They are people that are making a difference and putting their lives on the line, not because they just don't like another political group, but because they've fallen in love with Jesus. You see, the things that we would have said a generation ago seem impossible, God's doing in front of our eyes today. All through the world, He's doing things that are absolutely amazing. These church planting movements that we were talking about, there's uh, over 140 active church planting movements around the world now among unreached people groups that we know about. You know, 140 places where the gospel hadn't been known and now it's going forth. And, and moves of God coming in powerful ways, you know, 
in even in areas that seem more normal to us. Um, just talked with one of our guys last week or a few weeks ago on the phone. Uh, he's a worker in Hungary, and he was telling me that the son of the president of Hungary has come to Jesus. And as an influential leader among the youth and of himself, he's come to Jesus. He doesn't like the traditional church. In fact, there's a move of God going on in Hungary now among the youth that are saying, we don't organize religion. We're done with that. We are going to follow Jesus. So they're meeting in the parks and having worship times and prayer times and seeing the sick healed and going for Jesus in the parks in Hungary. You see, guys, our church in general, the church in Jesus of Jesus may have forgotten the message. Somehow we've forgotten that Jesus didn't tell us, come grow with us. He said, go make disciples. That's Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of what? Of the nations. Go make disciples of the nations. Some of you this morning are here and Jesus has his finger on you. And it's not like, oh, I caught you. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to come run with him. It's an invitation to say, hey, I am doing something in these days. I am sending those from you to the ends of the earth that all nations can hear to bring the nations as like a grain offering to Jesus. He's got his hand on some of us this morning inviting us to go. But for all of us, there is not just an invitation, there's a command. You know, we talked about at the beginning, there's that pray, give, go. And, you know, it really shouldn't be I pray or I give or I go. There's no or in between there. It's I pray and give and go. Yet, how do we do that? I acknowledge that it's, as Isaiah 66 says, it, there's, there's those from among us that the Lord will send out. Okay? And I think that that number is bigger these days than, than it's ever been. And yet at the same time, all of us need a way to participate. How do we all go? Well, Jesus said that we're to go make disciples. And whether that is here, you know, um, in Fort Worth, or it's in the ends of the earth, you can make disciples of the person in front of you. And if you don't just see, this is the person in front of me, this is the, you know, John from work. But if you look at John and you see the immense ability that John has to touch one and two and ten, and you can see the nations behind John. See, that's the thing I think Jesus was saying. He said, don't see just the person in front of you. See the incredible ability that if you make a disciple, not a convert, 
But if you make a disciple of the person in front of you and they turn and make a disciple of the person in front of them, then literally we touch the nations as it just goes out and multiplies out. And God's even making it easier for us these days. God's bringing the nations to us. I don't know if you guys have noticed, you go anywhere in Dallas-Fort Worth these days, English seems to be the minority. I mean, goodness gracious, the amount of people from the nations that have come here. It's time as a church we say, Lord, I accept your invitation. I accept your invitation. I accept your command to go and make disciples of the nations. See, here today on Share Life Sunday, I'm going to have Jamie come up and just kind of lead us out in some ministry time. But really what I want us to do is this. It's just real simple. Is just say, Lord, every one of us should respond. Really, there's not a... There's not a a place for no response. When we hear the word of God, we we need to say, how am I going to obey it, right? The response today may be that God's putting his hand on you and saying, I'm calling you. Would you come? And maybe you just need to come up and pray with somebody or, or listen with somebody and say, Jesus, where are you saying to go? That's a legitimate response. And another legitimate response may be just saying, Lord, I today, again, am going to take it seriously that I am called to disciple the nations. And I'm going to start with the person in front of me. Or I'm going to start with the neighbor down the street. Or that new family that's been an immigrant family and has just come in from across the world into our neighborhood. I don't know who it is, Lord, but if you'll show me who it is, Lord, I will say I will make disciple of that person with the help of us together as a community. Yeah. So let's respond to Jesus' state. Jamie, will you just lead us out with that? Hey, so let's go ahead and stand up. Ministry team, come on up. Worship team. And, uh, you know, Chris said it well. And we want to have a heart that says yes and are responsive to what the Lord's saying and and there's some great uh there's some great opportunity here for us as just whatever stage of life that we're at from youth to college to young adult to just all the way and we want to say lord lead us lord give us just have your way in our thinking hearts lives all that we are and uh you know it's interesting when we take a step it's just in response to the Lord. It's almost like each Sunday could be a, 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 a stake in the ground where we take, we could just go to a whole new place with him. And he's calling us to that. That's the opportunity that's before us today. So let's go for it. We're going to just take a few minutes here, get prayer, like press in and be hungry about what God's doing. This is a great, we don't get to have messages like this week in and week out with, by somebody who's done it on the front lines like that, been in prison for Jesus. And so just there's a, Lord, let the yes be in our hearts as we respond to him and just say, Lord, have your way in us. Don't walk, run, run with him. Lord, enlarge our hearts that we can run with you in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever your need is, you guys come, get prayer. Let's press into God. Let's go for it. We love you, Lord. Meet us here today. Meet us here today, God.